Stokes here. Walks across the dead ball line. Now sprints back for Manly. Up he goes. Changes direction. This is rugby league, folks. Have a look at it. Links up with Cherry Evans. And still on for Manley. Away from Hess. Kicks in field. Look who's there. Tom. I'm happy with that. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Guys, girls, we did it. SC Playbook, back-to-back, highest averaging Supercoach League in the entire tournament, competition, game, whatever you want to call it. Desi, we pipped the boys from Greg's at the post. They had us all year, uh, but as per last year, we made it, left our run late, and we finally got there. Yeah, we certainly did, Tibby. Um a few big scores from yourself and a few of the other contributors got us there. Mm, yeah, lift, lifted late for that one after a dour old month to finish the season. Uh, very excited about it. Clem, Clementine Cassie, sixth place overall in 2021. She's been getting a glow on over in Bali. She sent out an article in her captaincy column over there. Uh, I think she was in a, on a taxi ride from point A to point B, two places I can't pronounce. She's still got it in, so never doubt a commitment. Clem, your first year on board with SC Playbook, and you've got the win. Oh, my God, it's been so good this year. Like, thank you so much for having me on here this year. I've had so much fun and met so many, like, awesome people and things like that um, through the playbook, so that's so good. But, yeah, back from Bali early this morning, so still haven't had any sleep, um, but I'm absolutely glowing. I'm beached as, and, yeah, so good. <laughs> I've been very lucky to have you on board amongst a, a bunch of pretty plain blokes. It's good to have a bit of a character and a bit of life amongst us all. So a very refreshing change from what we normally produce. Uh, a shout-out to the Podmasters Cup. They took out the 20-man league overall. Stack of great podcasters in that group who showed their credentials. Uh, so cream rising to the top across all the uh, the podcast community. So good luck to everyone in that. Good luck. I should say well done to everyone in that. Guys, and the unlimited group winner for SC Playbook. It was a bloke who was up there all season. Jacob, t- coach of the team, Jacoby, top the group. He's also a subscriber. So he wins the SC Playbook major prize for the 2022 season. That's a game day package for 2023, a game of choice, Two tickets, food and drinks package, plus a supporter's jersey for the team of his choice. Uh, second in our overall group, the runner-up, Troy from the Roosters Pack, an absolute star super coach of this bloke. He finished fourth in 2022, uh, sorry, 2020, and backed it up with a tremendous year again in 2022. So a weapon of super <clears throat> He wins the same prize, except no supporter jersey. Uh, today's show, guys, we're going to go through the season recap of these two and myself our best and worst trades of the year, go through the lessons we learned in the 2022 Supercoach season, go through our awards for each position, uh, along with a few little fun ones, play of the year, flop of the year, those sorts of things, uh, and touch on a couple of other things throughout the episode. Desi, mate, I'll start with you. You topped the SC Playbook in-house league. You had an absolute belter of a year. Yep, yep. Um I think I'd be insulting people's intelligence if I said I'm not stoked coming 128. <laughs> you know, it's a hard thing to do. Um, I was a little disappointed in the in the final round there with you know Cam Murray going off so early, um, and then Val Holmes just <laughs> doing me in with a crazy hat trick. Um, <laughs> yeah, my hatred of the Cowboys coming back to bite me, and making me <laughs> miss the top hundred there. Karma. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. Uh, mate, really, really great year from yourself. Clementine, also a strong year from you. You didn't finish in style. Uh, you just told me off air that you were in Bali with one of your girlfriends and you were trying to sneak down to the bar to watch the Warriors and Titans game that meant nothing to check on your Supercoach players. Again, great commitment. Not sure how that went for you. Uh, how'd your season go? Um, so, I mean, my season for how how it was. I think it went okay. So my final rank ended up being 1,981, which I'm actually not too sad about. Um, my season actually started with one point and ended with one point. So I had Brandon Smith's one point in round one, and then I had Cam Murray's one point in the final round. Um, so I did have a bit of a bludger of a final round, which was, I mean, there was nothing really I could do. Like I, my players just all seemed to flop all at once. Like they peaked in round 24 um, and I only scored a 1,122. So I did drop 477 places, um, which was like, I was a little bit sad about, but then I was in Bali. So then I was happy. So like, it was all right. Um, but yeah, like 
I'm still pretty happy with that season. I um, mean, especially coming out around 17, I was ranked 5,370. So I think I made up a bit of ground in the back end of the season, which I was real stoked with. I love the uh, the change in attitude and the change in confidence from the start of the season. When we got you on, you just finished six overall and you, just, you were saying, kept doubting yourself, saying you're a beginner. I'm a one-hit wonder. I won't be able to go well again. By the end of season, you finished 1900th, which is a terrific result in a game that's really, really tough. And you're sitting here, oh, I guess it was okay. You know, not a bad season. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty stoked with it. Eh? It's good. <laughs> Very good result. Hey, Desi, let's touch on a few of your best trades for the season. Uh, best trades. Um, I think it's got to be Latrell Mitchell, hands down, was my single best trade. That one cuts um, deep. Yeah, I remember telling both of you, you were both mm. on at the time. Um, that Lachelle could average 100 on the run home. Yeah. And that, yeah, I didn't really care for the Bunnies' bad draw per se. I just wanted him in anyway. So <laughs> I think he's number one for sure. Um, I think guys like Joey Manu, I obviously have to put in as well. Um, trading him in and then hold and keeping him in, I guess, was a really good move. Um, even Cherry Evans, I, I, I got a 75 average out of him somehow. Over the last yeah. uh, month or so, I sat him in the in the right games and played him in the correct ones. So he was also a, a nightmare for those who traded him in, like head to head focus players. But overall, I think he jagged ninety odd. Mate, might in week one of finals, then had a few bludges in a row, and then turned up in the final round of the year. So he was, he ended up being all right for overall, didn't he? Yeah, he certainly did. Um, and even on, on back to South Sydney, I guess Cam Murray. Um, you'd have to put him in there as well. Mm. Um, even even with his unlucky kind of one in the final round, I got a few huge scores out of him in the meantime. Um, Cody Walker as well, traded him in for 10 rounds for a 70 average, traded him back out. Dylan Brown brought him back in. Mm. These are the sort of moves that I was making to, uh, to go up the ranks. Because, yeah, I think I was sitting around 2,000th um, coming out of that by round as well. So... When it just shows you can go from 2000th to 100th in eight weeks. Yeah, you crept and crept and crept. A lesson for everyone there. I keep saying it over and over, but people think with, with seven, eight, nine rounds to go and they're sitting 2000 or 3000 or 4000, they're gone. Uh, it's not that difficult to make up ranks. You're always in the hunt. Clementine, your best trades of the season. My best trade. So, Des, I do listen to you because my best trade of the season was also Latrell Mitchell. Um, I listened to your advice and got him in, um, and I'm real super stoked about that. <laughs> um, and then I think also um, I really tried to build my backs a bit. So I did get in Garrick and Manu as well um, and sort of held them. And so I think those two as well were a couple um, of real good trades for me too. So I'm real stoked with those ones. But definitely Latrell Mitchell. Um Always should listen to Des. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't know about that one. Huh? Yeah. We'll uh, reassess that comment in 12 months' time. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, any else there, Clem, you wanted to touch on? Um, no, those were probably my best ones. Like, um, I feel like, well, we'll talk about it later, but I think I jumped on players too late. So um, I can't really count any of those as my best trades. Um, but definitely I think just getting in, like, some of those um, – High-scoring like players like Alex Johnson, um, Garrick Manu for that back end really helped me go up the rankings a lot. Um, so, yeah, definitely them. Um, and then, yeah, I can't really count Nico Hines. I'd count him, but, like, I can't really because I jumped on him so late. Um, but, yeah, Latrell Mitchell. Clem, <laughs> I, I, I have a funny feeling that's not going to be the last we're hearing of you and Nico Hines by the end of this podcast. So we'll move on from that <laughs> one from now. Uh, my best and or well, my best trades. Uh, I did a podcast beers and break evens with the rugby league guru who just nabbed me at the end of the season overall by about a hundred or two hundred odd spots, uh, and we had a pretty good chat about best and worst trades and that sort of thing. So if you want to have a listen to that in a bit more depth, jump across and do that. Uh, but just touching on it, my best trades pretty well all around the Eels boys actually started with Dylan Brown. I remember actually Desi, it might have been another one to. I don't feel good giving you raps all the time, but with, with no spy here to find someone to bash. Um, nah, to your credit, mate, I think it was Dylan Brown at the start of the season and you were saying, get him in, get him in. And there was a lot of different names thrown up. Sean Johnson was one of them. 
I know a lot of people were keen on him. He was tempting. We know what he's capable of. But end up going Dylan Brown. Started with a bang. I cashed him out at top dollar. So while I wish I held him the entire year, uh, he did a great job for me in those first nine or ten weeks. Mitchie Moses, I got in about round three or four. He went on a really good run. Cashed him in at a good time. And then Sean Lane got him in, I think it was just before the, the second major buy round. Uh, I'll touch on him again a bit more later. But he was on, went on an absolute tear in the back end of the year and certainly one of the more improved Supercoach players. Uh, Des, now these are the better ones that I care about. What were your worst trades of the season? Um, it's got to be bringing in Turbo and Burbo for Magic Round. Uh, <laughs> had a rush of blood, you know, going over the border up there into Suncorp. I was like, surely Turbo tears up Manly. Uh, I mean, the Broncos, you know, they weren't they weren't looking that flush back then. Kind of like how they ended the mm. season mm. for all Bronx. Um, but yeah. Um, everyone went Isaiah Papali'i in that round instead. I think uh, you might have got him that round, and he went 100-plus against the Roosters. And I was just sitting there with, like, a broken turbo <laughs> going, oh, no. Oh, well, at least we, we can't doubt your loyalty on that one, mate. You, you're Turbo Irvine by name. That got you to the 2019 NRL Supercoach title. So uh, you have shown faith in the great man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like the glaring bad trades for me, but... Um, I'm, few that, I'm sure there are a few other ones there as well, but it was kind of trades that I didn't take that were killing me, like not bringing in Val Holmes, that yeah. sort of thing, not bringing in poor players, just not the best players. Yeah. Busted by the Urbos. Clementine, your worst of the season. Okay, so I have two that really stand out. So you know how I wrote an article about like saving your trades and stuff? So after the first round, um, I actually used a boost um, and I used a boost to go um, Xavier Coates to Cobo, like so sideways as anything. I don't know why I did it. I think I panicked and I was just like, oh, my God, why don't I have Cobo? And then like just did it. And so I just wasted a boost straight up, like literally in the first week of trades. So I would say that that would be one of my worst, um, even though kind of he like paid me back a bit later on. But, you know, it was still so sideways. It's not funny. Um, and then my worst trade is really selling my soul for Talakai after he got that yeah. massive score um, versus Manly. Oh, my God, I cannot believe I did it. Like, literally just <laughs> tore apart my team to get him in. And then he literally scored, like, 40s, 50s. Like, missed all his big scores, paid top dollar, lost heaps of cash on him, and nothing, got nothing out of it, absolutely nothing. So that's my worst trade. <laughs> I think you could uh, tap into about 50% of super coaches, and if you ask them that question, it'd be getting Sefer Talakai after that game. Anyone who got him before it, even though he went on a flatter run later on, they got the big score and be going, you know what, got out of it okay. He had that big one, but anyone who got in the week after, I think Darusi adds was in on that one as well. So, yeah, that one definitely hurt. Uh, my worst by far and away was the infamous Kalen Ponga masterclass or so I thought at the time. He was uh, he was cheap. He was coming off an Origin 3 masterclass, broke about 38 tackles. And Knights had a nice couple of games coming up. Anyway, he lasted about 10 minutes into that game, uh, got a HIA, didn't play again that season, cost me Latrell Mitchell, which then went on to cost me about – 400 ranking spots, I reckon. So that was just a brutal, brutal watch. Uh, another one was also Brian Toto over, not over, I went went Joey Manu to Brian Toto just before the second major bye week. The Panthers had a really nice matchup there. Toto tunned up, looked good at the time, and then I think it was the first week after the bye, something happened and I couldn't get Manu straight back in. Got his 191. Every man and his dog seemed to have either VC'd or seed him so they were able to loop. Uh Definitely hurt me, but Manu did end up with a five-round average of 57, so could have been a lot worse, and I think, to be honest, I probably got away with it a little bit lucky there, but he stayed at centre, and the motive to all of that and logic behind all that was that at centre, I think I could get away with it anyway. We'll uh, move on from those demons of the season and get on to some brighter things. Guys, an enormous thank you to our major sponsors, Paddy and George from Mortgage Choice SCW, for all of their support this season. With that, we've been able to invest in the website, the podcast, all sorts of things to make sure that the quality of it all improves, the content, the product get better and better. We revamped our site at the start of the year, added Stat HQ, our big data center, invested in some podcasting equipment, equipment I should say. Uh, and as I mentioned, I think last week, got some really good and exciting plans for next season too. 
Had the boys on the show a few times throughout the year. Really good fun. They're down-to-earth fellas. They're switched on. Generally just good super coaches as well. Uh, guys, if you are looking to invest in property, a new car, refinance, any of all that, give them a message on Instagram at Pat and George Mortgage Choice, or one word, or give them a call on 0295211611. We've also got a QR code on site in all our articles, which you can scan that that goes through if that's a lot easier. Uh, if you are linking up with them, mention the code SC Playbook to them uh, and it'll give you a free numbers consult. Uh, this is one of my favourite co- uh, pieces of content for the season. It is the lessons we've learned. I learn plenty every single year. Desi, I'll start with you, mate. Was there anything glaring that uh, you added to your, your knowledge this season? Uh, I think lesson number one was that Joey Martin is the best center wing in Supercoach oh. and he's a must-have going forward. Sorry to bring those demons back up. Please. Um, no, I think, yeah, in all serious, seriousness, one of the main lessons is that you can play relatively conservatively hmm. and and come kind of around the top 100 mark. Um, obviously, there's risks involved, um, buying someone like Luttrell, um, but the rest of my trades were pretty vanilla through the whole season, I'd have to say. Um, you kind of really don't have to own low ownership players to go well. You just need the correct combination of the highly owned players. Mm. That's it, Desi. And I mean, even look at my season, I was sitting a hundredth uh, at round eighteen, I think it was, and sort of the the uh, the no Manu for that round hurt me a lot, dropped a lot of spots. But it was the going to Kalen Ponga as a zero, at zero percent ownership, uh, and that cost me a stack of spots, a couple of trades. And, and you're right, mate. Going conservatively, I did it in twenty. 20, when was it, 2020 when I came second. Nothing too outlandish. So while pods are fun, they're far from the be-all and end-all if you think you're trying to win Supercoach, which we, we all are. Clementine, what about yourself? So I actually learned two lessons, and I feel like this was the big dis- difference between my season last year and my season this year. Um, so the first one was um, don't jump on people too late. So don't just, like, if someone's actually, like, on a tear and you can see, like, other people jumping on them, like, don't just hold off and hold off and hold off because I think that that was my biggest issue this year. Like, um, Talakai, after he got that massive score, um, Hines, I was, like, probably one of the last people to jump on him, like, not until around 10. Um, so after he'd got, like, a few massive scores, um, Pavelay, like, oh, my God. Like, I think I, like, talked him up on the podcast every single time I was on and then I didn't get him in until around 15. And by that stage, you know, he had scored so much for people and so I think that that really brought, like, you know, my score and my ranking down. So um, I think last year I was, like, a bit better about jumping on people when, um, you know, when they were hot, like, when they were, like, scoring well and other people were jumping on them, like, um, rather than, you know, just, oh, no, wait, oh, no, wait, you know, and trying to be, like, real, like, I don't know what I was trying to do actually. Um, and, and the other lesson kind of goes with that. Like, before, you, don't before, you jump in, before you jump sorry? into your second lesson, sorry. Before you jump into your second one, uh, it's really interesting you note that because the spy has always preached that. And every time he talks about his trades around these guns with high ceilings that he doesn't own, often he'll say he sees them on a tear and he might have issues around them and be willing to pot them and go against them as a bit of an antipod. But ultimately, he nearly always says, stuff it, I'm getting them in because if they continue on in this tear, it can be season over and you can just drop way too many ranks. So sometimes you actually almost have to go against what your gut says, despite that's what we always preach, and just go with the masses, particularly with these guys who can go 150. Because as you said, early in the year, it was Nico Hines for a lot. It was Talakai for all of one week, but it, it can hurt you. So yeah. And what was your, your second one? It kind of matches with it. So my second one is don't just hold people because you love them. So, like, I definitely hold, like, a few players just because I really liked them and I was just always waiting for them to get that ton that I always thought was coming. Although I get a ton and then I'd be like, oh, my God, here they go, and then they'd just drop down to 30-40s. So, stags, and the only reason I got stags in was because Tim Sigidiman. <laughs> um, oh, and then Fafita, like, just holding Fafita, holding, 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 like, um, bringing him back in. Like, just um, next year I think I'll definitely, you know, if someone's not, actually living up to their potential I'm 100% not just going to sit there and hold them for round after round after round because I think that really killed me as well um especially with stags and Fafita <laughs> but then I brought Fafita back in anyway back into the mm. season so you know I never learned my lessons so you know if you love someone you love someone 
Yeah, exactly right. Stay loyal, even if it does hurt you. And uh, I need the spy back on this podcast because he just he's just such an easy target for everyone. And when he's not here, I think it's evident that I'm the second easiest target. So this is going to be great fun next 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> my big lesson that I learned, and there, there were a few, but the one that stood out to me was one that probably Desi touched on a little bit earlier. And it was, uh, everyone knows that uh, my approach to Supercoach, I'm very heavy on uh, fixture dependency and looking at soft and difficult runs. Now, that's not going to change at all. However, one thing I did learn was that the elite guns of, of both Supercoach and probably more so the NRL um, find themselves to be fixture-proof. And, and Desi made the point, another rap for, for Desi Creek, with Latrell Mitchell that hurt me. And I, I potted Latrell just because I was like, I didn't rate the bunnies that much, to be honest, but I just thought with that fixture and run of games, he couldn't continue to score that well in the harder matchups. Uh, and he averaged, as Desi said, about 100 over that last six to eight weeks and really cruelled my season. Joey Manu, pretty similar, even though he was playing centre for a lot of it, although a lot of his better scores were at in the halves or at fullback. But still, Joey Manu, even the tougher games, he was just still scoring really, really well. Ruben Garrick, when he was playing fullback, did it to a lot of really good sides. Damien Cook did it through a tough period there. Uh, so I think the elite players... You don't throw fixtures out the window, but I just think, yeah, they, they're they the best for a reason and they can score against the best. Uh, Desi, it was an interesting season, <clears throat> one that I really enjoyed. I don't recall probably a year where there's been so many unique high-ceiling players in the back end of the year. So I just found that last five, six weeks, between guys like, uh, I don't know, uh, Matty Burton, Adam Dewey, Latrell Mitchell, Joey Manu to a lesser degree, who were anywhere from that 85 to 90% ownership. I, I am thinking more people around 30 to 40% ownership. Uh, David Fafidas, Harry Grants, who could go so big. And most other years, there's a little bit of a concentration of these players and everyone owns them. And, you know, we're in head-to-head finals and teams have four or five unique players. So many unique guns uh, at the back end of this this year and particularly throughout the entire year. Yeah, that's true. It's it's because like really no teams uh, had the ability to rest them coming into the for last sure. few rounds here. You know, all the teams were still fighting it out for top eight spots. So you weren't going to see players like Harry Grant or Isaiah Popoli maybe ten minutes off um, at the most, and he's still just going to be an absolute gun and keeper. Um, yeah, guys like Sean Lane, I'm sure Parramatta would have really liked to rest. Mm. Um, over the last like month or so, but it just hasn't happened. So the guns just keeps keep firing, they keep playing. Yeah, and, and that's it. I think that also ties in, Des, to uh, the, the the long game, short game, sorry, short-term versus long-term strategy that, that we often speak about on this podcast. And uh, look, it did help uh, towards the end. I had a really good final round score, but this season, like I, I'll continue to preach it. I think it's so, so important to, to plan in the long term and not focus as much about the short term. However, for that reason, it was such a unique season in that every team – from second to sort of 10th, uh, in particular second to ninth, were all playing. Every game they played had something significant on the line all the way until round 25. So there weren't, as you mentioned, there weren't opportunities really to rest players. I, I guarantee if there were sides with less on the line, James Tedesco, Latrell Mitchell, um, all sorts of guns from these sides would have got rest, but they couldn't do it. Yeah, and it kind of crippled anyone with who really focused on depth. Um, if there was a bit more carnage at the end, I'm sure all of us would have been even further up the rankings, you know? Oh, um, it would have been crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so it was just, um, I'm a firm believer in it and I'll, I'll continue to be, but you're right. Like, even, I know there are a lot of teams out there who couldn't field 17 players. They had sort of 15 out there in the final week of the season. They were really hurt, and it did help. Penrith rested a bunch of their Supercoach players, and I think teams with depth would have had some pretty decent jumps at the end of the season. But, uh, again, not the be-all and end-all, and it's, it's it's a good way to approach it, but it's not everything. Uh, and the last one, Clem, that I sort of came across, not probably a lesson learned, but just um, consolidating a, a theory and a strategy that I've always had, and that's, just not paying up big for front row forwards. Now, I think that the strategy is to to focus on these high ceiling spine players, CT dubs, front row forwards. It's just a place that you can you can get away with plotters and prioritise more important trades. Now, there was a period where this was tested this season with Joe Tappany because I didn't own him. And look, he definitely hurt me in the last sort of eight to 10 weeks of the season. Uh, but even he has 
brilliant as he was, ended with a season average of 66. His last five rounds, he had an average of 64. So I just think, Clem, there are better spots to target than front row forwards. And alternatively, if you can lock in two or three solid ones early in the year, just stick with them. Yeah, 100%. I think um, that kind of, yeah, that's what I tried to do at the back end of the season was just get in like guys like... um, like Garrick, Joey Manu, those guys that could like get the massive scores. And I think that does really help you jump up the rankings heaps. Um, Because you even had guys like Max King, like who was still like pumping out decent scores and like scoring like really, really well. So I didn't like think you needed to invest too much um, in front row or anything like that. Um, But yeah, definitely I think the high ceiling players would have helped a lot of people with their rankings this season. That's it. Payne Haas was another one who, who ended up averaging about 63, I think it was, for the season. And he's been such a premium front row forward for a long time. So, uh, again, just another one to consider. Guys, if you've got a Bundy Mixer team in, still time to actually get one in. You can play throughout the NRL finals. Supercoach has finished. Bundy, NRL Mixer, combining the NRL and NRLW. Uh, just a bit of fun to get us through the finals with that bit of a fantasy fix. Thank God he's not on here, but the Spy's coming fifth. There's thousands of people in it, and the bloody Spy's coming fifth. The man knows he's... Man knows his fantasy sport. I'll give it to him. Uh, my tip this week, I think I touched on it last week, but Sammy Bremner, absolute star. She's come back from a year off. 11.9% ownership last week. She's comfortably the highest averaging player. Uh, NRLW player with 68 points per game. Blockbuster game with the Knights this week. Uh, so I'm going with Sammy Bremner. Harry Grant is my pick for the NRL players. Uh, at hooker, he's averaging 66.7. The Spy touched last week, strategy based on the... Hooker's a good position to go with a male. Uh, just because of the longer games, they get through a few more tackles. It's a bit quicker, and the system rewards the big work rates, so they tend to rack up these these higher sort of base stats. So a good place to target there. For the NRLW players, the attacking weapons, the outside backs are the ones who tend to score really well. Uh, so that's the strategy I've been going with. Guys and girls, we've got uh, Clem on today. You're, we're going to go through our awards for the season. We're going to touch on one for each position and then just a few fun ones at the end before we wrap things up. We do have the fan votes going out across our socials this week. Uh, I'll put that together and see what we've come up with. There's a few really interesting ones already coming together in the fan votes. I'll put into an article and that'll come out Thursday or Friday. It'll be Friday. Uh, let's start with fullback. Desi Creek, who takes your title? Um. I think it would have had to have been Pappenhausen. Um, even though Tedesco was kind of rock solid the whole year, um, Pappenhausen was just looking so electric when he was mm. playing. He was absolutely decimating the competition apart, averaging well over 100. Um, and he had the goal kicking as well. So I think Paps has to take it out for me. Mm. Yeah, and I should preface this by saying it's more complex than, all right, who was the top averaging player in, in the entire game? Because uh, I think it's... I think if you if you based it on that, Richard Kenner would be the the, the player of the year because he scored played one game and scored ninety one. But things like who went well in head to head finals, who went well at important times of the year, uh, who who were by coverage available players who might have scored though well those weeks, um, who was consistent, all these sorts of things. Uh, Clementine fullback, it is such a crack field and definitely the hardest position between. You could make a case. For Pappenhausen, who averaged 90, Teddy, who was Mr. Consistency and fired through the finals, Luttrell, who came back with a bang, and Nico Hines, who, again, Mr. Consistency, who's your fullback of the year? Look, um, I think everyone knows I've gone for Prince Nico, and the only reason I've done that is because he's just so consistent. Like, um, I, I also I also think you can make a, a case for Teddy and Luttrell as well, um, but I think it depends on sort of like when you jumped on, when you jumped off players too. Um, but yeah, I've just gone for my Prince Nico, Mr. Consistent. Um, <laughs> he is my fullback of the year. <laughs> Jeez, who saw that one coming? Yeah, I've I've actually gone with with the Prince Nico as well, Clem. Uh, and it's hard because if you look at Pappy Desi's pick, you couldn't argue with it. He was the top averaging player in Supercoach uh, of the regular players anyway, quite comfortably. Uh, but I just think Nico was out now just so consistent all season. Uh, so I went with him. CT Dub Desi, who was your your centre wing of the year? Uh, it's got to be Joey, um, hands down, highest averaging, mm-hmm. um, biggest scores, knocking out one nineties. No one else was doing that in the centre wing, really. Hey, it's we not one nineties plural, mate. There was one there. Yeah, one ninety one. Yeah, no one else is even close. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, pretty safe one there. Clem, who'd you come oh, up I with? I did exactly the same. I love Joey Manu. Like, yeah, I 100% think that he he wins that award. Um, I think you could also make a case, like, if you jumped on Val Holmes and got some of his massive scores or um, even Garrick, like, when he got those massive scores before someone broke him. Um, but, yeah, definitely um, you could make a case for either of those. But Joey Manu, 100%. Yeah, it, uh, it hurt me to say it, but I've gone Joey Manu too. And it was just a bit of salt in the wound as well that he decided to save his injury until the last 20 minutes of the season when it didn't matter. I'm like, Joey, you could have done that a month ago for me, mate. But anywho, uh, a shout out though to Bo Fermor, 65 point average and dual position. In a season where we had like Isaac Tungo, uh, CC for Talakai, being able to switch between CT Dub and back row, Ben Trebojevic as well. Fermor's dual position there, people started the year with him, had a little bit of a lull through the middle, but really consistent, finished with a bang, something like six tries in the last five games, 65 average, and Fermor, just a really good footballer and one to keep an eye out for next season. Uh, Desi, a good position here. I sent this one out uh, at about lunchtime, the five-eighths of the year, and it's a lot tighter than I thought it'd be on the socials. Who'd you come up with? I've gone for Monster. Um, I think he was out and out the best 5'8 this year. Um, produced some massive scores exactly when you needed him to. Um, obliterated New South Wales in origin. He's just been playing well all year. He's just breaking tackles. As, as good as Dylan Brown and Drinkwater have been, they're a close second and third. Um, Monster's just been untouchable. And... He kind of he, he kept the points rolling even when he moved to fullback um, in that Melbourne Melbourne lineup. But he's just yeah he's just looking like an absolute god when he touches the ball, and he could get Melbourne over the line this year if he keeps the form. Yeah, the Mad Dog Munster ended up averaging a few more than second place Dylan Brown at five eight. Uh, but had he not made that move to fullback in the last month or so, I reckon that would have been a lot tighter. Clementine, who'd you come up with? I had Munster um, just for his consistency and just because he's so reliable. Um, but then this is so closely followed by Dylan Brown. Um, and actually, I should have added that as one of my good trade-ins because I did trade in Dylan Brown as well. So um, I had both of them at the back end. And I think that um, yeah, Dylan Brown, the back end of his season was so, so good that I would say he's a very close second for me. Yep. Now, I've followed you into that one, Clem. Cam Munster, number one, but I did have to have a good look at it. Dylan Brown, his lowest score all year was 40, which for a 5'8 is pretty damn good. That was in round one as well, I believe. So he had 35 in base. He just turned into such an elite player this year, uh, and you, you wouldn't begrudge anyone starting with him at top dollar next season. Halfback. Now, Desi, we know which way this is going. It's Nathan Cleary or Nico Hines. Uh, they were by far and above the best. Which way have you gone? Well, I've gone high since I uh, had to sacrifice him at fullback for Pappenhausen, so yeah. I want to get them both in. Um, yeah, yeah, Hines is obviously player of the year, um, scored the the most points with the highest average. So, um, yeah, I, it's very hard to go past him. He was just constructing everything at Cronulla all year, had his hands on the ball every set, um, just always looking dangerous. Um, yeah, and plus the added goal kicking, just, you know, mm. cherry on top. Uh, Clem, what about you? Dare I ask? Oh, exactly. Have you doubled up, or have you doubled up, or have you found a spot for Cleary? No way! I have fully doubled up. <laughs> Prince, Nick, I'd give him every single position <laughs> if I could. Um, so I've got him again. Um, <laughs> I just think again he's so consistent, and then like, I kind of looked at it like Nathan Cleary lost a bunch of cash. Nico gained a bunch of cash. Um, he played more games, yeah. and then um, if you had Captain Cleary for that four points. You would have been so hurt, and Prince Nico would never do that to you. So, um, yeah, so <laughs> I've gone for Nico Hines. <laughs> oh, no, all, all wonderful points, and, and I I found it really tough. I've also gone with, with Nico Hines, but wait, no, sorry, I'm with Nathan Cleary. I've got Nico at fullback. I needed to get them both in, but you're spot on. Nico started a lot cheaper and basically sizzled in, in price, skyrocketed in value, and pretty well held it the whole season, uh, whereas Cleary, he was based on a 100 five-point average or something last year and plummeted. So that, that's a major factor in these in these awards. Well, it is now. Uh, Shout-out to Mitchie Moses. Career year, super coach wise with 70-point average. He was excellent, and he's just he's on the up, that bloke. He, he could be a sneaky one early on next season. Second row forward, another pretty crack field, Desi Creek. Who won it for you? Uh, I've gone Sean Lane. Um, I didn't own him. A lot, of, a lot of you guys brought him in. 
I never did. Uh, I've owned him in the past. I've always been like one of the the big supporters of Lane, but this year he really just turned it up and he could have crashed over for multiple more tries over the last month. I was kind of death riding him real hard. Um, him and Kaloa Matangi by far and mm. away the, the top two for me. Uh, but Lane just, just sneaks him, I think. Yep. Yep. Good one there, mate. Uh, Clem, second rower. I had Sean Lane as well. <laughs> so um, uh. I also think, <laughs> it's like I'm just copying you. Um, but no, I did bring yeah. him in too, actually. And yeah, he was just so good. And his combination with like Dylan Brown was so, so good. Um, they're like a little package. Uh, so it was good to have both of them. Um, but I also had IPAP if you had him there and uh, down there as well. I think that he's so consistent. Mm. So those are probably my two. I thought I went Sean Lane as well. And I thought it was going to be a, a little bit sneaky because I thought you two would flock to Cam Murray. Uh, so I thought I'd be a little bit different, but I went Sean Lane, obviously a bit, well, slight bias pick there because I had him for a long period, but average 78 from around 11 onwards. That was when he really locked in his consistent 80-minute role. I think the week, three weeks prior, he played around the, the 60, 65-minute mark. He provided by coverage for us. He scored 105 in head-to-head grand final week. Uh, so he was just clutching. Cam Murray, hard to knock as well, but he did miss some games at different stages. Obviously, come up with the, by no fault of his own, that the HIA in round 25. So, uh, Shawnee Lane, front row forward. There's a couple that stand out here. I think it's probably a two horse field. Desi, your front rower of the year. I've gone for IPUP. I just mm. think he was way too consistent, way too solid. Um, I said halfway through the season, you could set and forget the captaincy on him. And it kind of turned out to be true because he just kept on knocking out 80, 90, 100 most weeks, um, just so close to the line um, every time if he doesn't score. Mm. You know, he's he's always there or thereabouts and just has the, the full package, the full repertoire that you need to be one of the greats in Supercoach, which he looks like he's going to turn into. Yeah, as good as he was last year, you were just thinking the tries had to dry up. It had to be one-off year, and he bettered his Supercoach average. I think he did. I think he was one point higher than last year. And because of his high price and playing the forwards, not when he started the year with him. So if anyone did get on him early, masterstroke. Clem, your front row of the year. Exactly the same. So I went for IPEP as well. Um, just so consistent. He's just the most consistent player. Um, and, yeah, so definitely – him and I'm so gutted I waited for so long to bring him in mm. uh, to keep the theme of these exciting awards uh, I went IPAP as well and I thought it was pretty comfortable but but it's interesting because I threw this out on social intentionally earlier than the podcast because I didn't want didn't want to influence too many people at all like what we were sort of saying and I knew this would be one of the the more the tighter fought ones well, sorry, I lie. I, I thought it'd be IPAP clearly. Joe Tappany is out in front in the, the fan vote. Uh, it's not by a long margin, but more than I thought. So there's a lot of people going Joey Tappany, and I suppose they're thinking he uh, finished the season really strongly, but so did IPAP. Anyway, I was all over IPAP. Uh, Desi, hooker of the year. Interesting one. Some really good candidates here. Harry Grant, Damien Cook, Reese Robson. Uh, there were some weapons. Who won it for you? Um, I was thinking about this one. I was tossing and turning over it. Definitely the hardest one for me because I just thought Damian Cook had an exceptionally good season. He really did. South were not playing that well um, for the first sort of 10 weeks of the, the season he, and he kept carrying them. He kept on scoring 75. He averaged 75. It's kind of like the best season he's had. Um, I think just he was consistently um, better than all the other hookers during that first period, as, as good as Harry Grant was, you know, he was scoring a lot of tries, snuffing points out where Cook was kind of getting a bit more tackles. He was running the ball. I think he ran the ball more than any other hooker. And that just, you know, he wins it for me based on that. Yep. Uh, really, really good season from Cookie there. A bit of a bounce back. He averaged in 2018-19, 78-76. Last two years, while good years, he regressed to 70 and 66, back to 75 this year. Uh, Clem, did he pip Harry Grant and Reese Robson for you, or did you go other way, ways? No, I went Harry Grant. So I went Harry Grant um, just for, like, I think he's very consistent. I think all my – I've given them all to consistent players. And plus, I think he's got a really high ceiling. So um, I've, I've gone him for that reason. Um, and then I've also given a hooker personality and that goes to Cheese for having the best personality in the hooker. <laughs> you had to sneak it in, didn't you? Uh, you also just made 
You also just made me feel like the, the biggest bogan clan. Me and Desi here, Harry Grant, Harry Grant, and you're like, oh, Harry Grant, very eloquent. So I, I, need, to, I, need, I need to take a leaf out of your book. I'm meant to be a journalist. I'm meant to be able to speak, but um, you're a lot better at it than I am. Uh, I went with Damien Cook as well, and I think you could probably flip a coin between he and, and Grant. Grant averaged 78, Cookie was 75, so he actually averaged less, but just really consistent through the whole year. Grant missed a few games here and there. And I just think the fact that Cook was far more pod status across the course of the year, the people that jumped on him would have been very, very happy with what he produced. Uh, And again, upped in value. I think Grant probably was pretty similar through a lot of the year. Uh, Moving on to the few of the fun awards. Flop of the year, basically just the most underwhelming or most disappointing player for you this year, Desi. Um, it's going to sound harsh, but it's Sam Walker for me. Um, started with him and he really could have, he could have done anything off the start if the Roosters were in some sort of form, some sort of semblance of it, but they just weren't. Um, and he, he kind of came good towards the back end of the season. You know, he started kicking his goals, scoring tries, Mm. but the, the massive one sort of 50, 160 scores were not there for Sam Walker this season. Yeah, nice, Desi. Sammy Walker, really interesting one there. A little bit harsh, but uh, I was the same as you, mate. I started the year with him and very high expectations. Just took a while to get going, and I think having Luke Keary coming back in, it just it took them basically till they, they made the shift to, to allow. They made the six and seven shift um, later on in the year, and Sammy started going nuts, just sharing that role and sharing the points a little bit. But uh, he has come good in the back end of the year, and, and I'll still be eyeing him off next season, I'd say. Um Clem, your flop of the year, most disappointing player. My most disappointing players. Um, I have three. So my flops of the year, <laughs> are, my flops of the year are definitely cheese. So I'm so sorry to do this to him, but I started with him for one point. Um, he only averaged 45. Um, I've traded him in and out, in and out, in and out. Every time I play him, he scores low. And then um, every time he scores well, um, I don't play him. So thanks for that, Des. So just tell me not to play him when he actually does a really good score. And <laughs> so he's one of my flops of the I'm year. I'm not a seer. I'm not a seer, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just taking like your really good advice. Um, and then the second one is Fafita. So I feel really bad to do this to him again, but I just don't feel like he lived up to the expectations we had. And I don't think it's all his fault either. I don't think his team used him properly. Um, but definitely didn't live up to expectations there. Um, but I did bring him back again anyway. So, yeah, never learned my lesson. Um, and I feel real bad about this one. But Katoni Staggs, I think, was a bit of a flop this year. I think we all had massive expectations on him. Um, and he only averaged 49. He uh, lost 80K and had three tons and then just a bunch of 30s and 40s. So for me, he was a big flop. Clem, I'm going to clip that clip that up, that audio of you bagging uh, and calling the cheese the flop of the year. I'm going to put it on Instagram. I'm going to cha- tag him in it, tag you in it, and just and just get the reaction. That's for you bad-mouthing me and bagging me earlier in the podcast. <laughs> but, I also, but I also did say he wins personality, hooker personality of the year, so I balanced it out. <laughs> I don't think he listens to the podcast, so I'm not going to put that part in. So, yeah, you, you, you've shot yourself in the foot. Um, no, Katoni Stags is a good one. He was shortlisted in my nominations. Uh, had him all year and just – I remember there was a time where he went back-to-back tons. He started the year with four scores under 40, then had back-to-back tons against the Roosters and Panthers. Everyone flocked to him at bottom dollar. Uh, and then just really disappointing all year. The only saving grace that he had from probably being my flop of the year was he did ton up in round 17 in pretty decent pod range there against the Dragons, that second major bye week. So aside from that, gee, he was disappointing, and he's uh, really going to need to just be utilised a lot better by the Broncos in future, I think. Um, but my winner went to Caelan Ponga. 50-point average this season, just really, really down on what he's done in previous years. Uh, that Now, that average was impacted by nine and 16-minute games, both, I believe, HIA affected. So that brought his average down, uh, but just didn't hit his straps at all. And, yeah, for anyone who jumped on him earlier on in the season would have been absolutely gutted by that. Uh, also on the shortlist, Katoni Staggs with Clem. I had cheese on that one, probably not benefited too much by the... Uh, just leaving the club. I think he just played a few minutes and played off the bench a lot when I, I really don't know why. I really do hope he starts for the Storm this weekend. 
Uh, Cody Walker averaged 30 points less than last year. Now, he finished with an average of about 57 or 58, which is far from bad, but I know there was a lot of extra points and record smash last season in the NRL and thus NRL Supercoach, but I think Cody was probably not helped a lot by, by Luttrell's return and just snaking all his try assists, but even while Luttrell was out, he didn't score too well. So, uh, lucky last one there, one of Desi Creek's boys, Tommy Starling, Desi, I think we all probably anticipated when Hodjo went down and Starlo having a really good Supercoach scoring game, some great glimpses in the past, that with big minutes, he'd go on to be one of the better hookers in Supercoach, but it just didn't eventuate, did it? No, it didn't. I, I was positive that he was going to, you know, at least play 65, mm. 65 minutes, but he wasn't even getting that at some stages, you know. And you boys kept saying he's just a really small, small, tiny human being. He probably won't be able to keep playing 80 minutes and... I don't know. It was just going straight over my head. I wasn't listening. I thought he was going to be on for a big one. But uh, no, Sticky had other plans. Mate, it's uh, it's okay to be blinded by the dazzling speed out of dummy half of Tommy Starling. It's it's hard. It's a hard highlight package to ignore when he gets moving. Uh, Des, your surprise packet of the year. Bit of a combination. Surprise packet, most improved. Um, I've actually gone with Jeremiah Nanai. Is a surprise packet for me. I mean, he scored 17 tries, you know, yeah, and averaged more than both, I think, Tamalolo and Cotter in Supercoach, which is not an easy thing to do. These guys are behemoths of the game, and, you know, he did it for his first season ever. It's just freaky stuff. Yeah, what an exceptional year from Nanai. Uh, Clementine, surprise packet of the year. Um, I just went for a bunch of Cowboys players. So I also had um, Nanai, and then I also had Scotty D. Robson, Connor, like I thought they all went so well um, and I think it's just, yeah, it's showing on how well the team's doing. So they were all my surprise packages and I didn't own any of them. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Scotty D, I got him in for the final round of the year for his 90-odd. So I thankfully got something out of him. He was such a hard watch as a, as a non-owner all season, having nearly got him in numerous times. Got to about 120 yeah. there after updates. Then they updated it back and took it off him and gave a try assist and gave it to Val Holmes. He was my skipper as well, Jinky. So How was, the hell was that like try assist not drink waters, you know? it's oh, It's been going to fullbacks all year. Why the hell did they give it to Val Holmes? It was pissing me off, Jerry. Talk, 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 uh, <laughs> talk about screwing with the emotions. Thank you, SC, SC Supercoach HQ scorers. Uh, my one, and now this just reeks of bitter non-owner, but <laughs> you're still going to hate me for this. Joey Manu, most improved. <laughs> so obviously not in actual NRL, but he's never been overly super coach relevant at all. So these are his, his averages dating back the past five years, starting from five years ago. It's a gradual increase. 42 per game, 49, 56. Got up to 62 last year. That was in this immense point-scoring season where records were obliterated. And then this year, he just comes out and goes, oh, I'm just going to have 10, 15 more runs a game and bust 30 tackles a game more and absolutely screw Tim season. 76-point average. Desi, Manu just decided to put it all together in Supercoach this year. Joey, Joey, Joey. I love him, yeah. I, I kind of just... You know, I had that feeling that it was coming because mm. he's just so strong when he runs the ball. He can... He can just brush people off, you know, your your classic prototype tackle-busting player. And, you know, it, it all it took was the Roosters to just give him give him the ball. He had that game for New Zealand where he broke the run meters record and you just knew he was going to continue yeah. on after that. There was no stopping him. I think he's just out at centre and he's just gone, I'm so bored of this. I'm like, I'm so much better than everyone out here. And he's gone, I'm just going to go and triple my runs and just show everyone how good I am and just mess with Tim. Um, all jokes aside, he was a, he's a joy to watch, Joey Manu, and I really do. Well, I mean, if the Roosters get through week one of finals, I hope we do see him in week two because uh, tremendous, tremendous footballer. The big one, player of the year, Desi. Who gets your top gong as Supercoach player of the year? Well, it's a man that I probably took too long to bring in. A lot of people started with him. A lot of people got him, you know, two, three weeks in. Uh, when he started turning up and he was just, he got his hands on the ball too much. That wet hair. I think <laughs> you know who it is. It's it's Prince Nico Hines. Uh, Clem's currently on camera bowing down to a Nico <laughs> Hines shrine. She's got a hose pouring down over his head. <laughs> uh, Desi, he, he's pretty hard to beat, wasn't he? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the stats just speak for themselves. He had just so many points. He was just accumulating in every category in Supercoach. The goal kicking, the try assists, the tries, the offloads, the, the force dropouts. Mm. It's just exactly exactly what you want from a player. Um, he kind of he just copied what Nathan Cleary did really um, over the previous few years, and just he did an eighty five average with ease. I think sky's the limit for him, mm-hmm. um, and that's his first season at the Sharks. So I, I'm assuming he's going to get even better as the years go on. Mm, terrifying what he could do in coming seasons, Clem. Dare I ask you a player of the year? <laughs> it's cheese. <laughs> Um, my player of the year is also <laughs> my player of the year is also Prince Nico Hines. Um, just he's arguably the best over the two positions. I think he is the best. Um, his consistency, his point scoring, um, his wet hair, his glorious wet hair. The fact that he uses his initiative and wets his own hair if it's not raining, like he is just the whole package. So for me, he is a hundred percent the player of the year. Mm, very good. Uh, I've gone with you both just to change things up again. And, and as I said, like you could make an argument for a lot of different players here, but it was just the consistency week in, week out. And a few things I think that made my mind up, the, the decision for me were just the fact that particularly head-to-head players when your regular captaincy options in Ryan Pappenhaus and Nathan Cleary were gone, unavailable for the finals. Nico just became the safest option for anyone in their head-to-head matchups. He had a lot of great matchups across that uh, run of games. He was dual position, which when Cleary went down at halfback, it made trading options so much easier for all of us when we had so few trades left. I know a lot were caught short that didn't have trades or that might, might have already had Nico in the, at uh, halfback. So um, he had one score under 44 all season. That was a 35 in round six against the Storm. Uh, so for me, it's Nico as well. Now, we've got a few more of these positional awards going out in the fan vote across social the next few days. Uh, do not listen to the fact that, uh, that we've gone pretty similar on a few of these because there are a lot of close categories here, and I was surprised that we did link up on a few similar ones. Uh, so go with your own intuition, and we'll mention to see the results of that by the end of the week. Guys, that is it for the SC Playbook podcast for the 2022 season. A massive, massive thank you to all those who did support the site, our listeners, our readers, particularly those who subscribed in support of the site. Uh, Now, I say this each and every single season, but I genuinely mean it. The Supercoach community is second to none. Uh, There's no malice in it. There's no negativity. As someone who's worked in NRL journalism for a fair while, uh, I can safely say that the Supercoach community in particular are absolute rippers. Very appreciative for everyone's support, the fun, and the help that we all put into it to help each other's teams out. Guys, the Beers and Breakevens podcast will continue throughout the finals with the Guru. We're going to recap each club uh, for the 2022 season, as will the Halfback Punting podcast with Sammy Williams and Jimmy Hughes. Otherwise, that's us done for the year. Guys, if you have any feedback, please comment, uh, comment, email us at Supercoach Playbook. That's Supercoach, full word, supercoachplaybook at gmail.com. Looking to improve the side. If you have any ideas, uh, any criticisms that we can improve on for the next season, we'd love to hear it and try and make this product better for you going forward. We'll be back for the Supercoach BBL season at the start of November. A few ideas come in for that as well. If you're not into that, we'll see you for the 2023 NRL pre-season. Desi, um, you're my MVP for SC Playbook for 2022, mate. The spy will be bitter about that one, but you've just been relentless with your podcast appearances, your articles. You've you've delivered on the talk and finished 120th or whatever it is. Uh, you've just been superb this year, mate. Thanks, Timmy. Um, thanks for you know your work as well. You've done a sensational job hosting <laughs> the podcast all year with me and the spy on most weeks you know we're clueless you steer the ship so uh, <laughs> thanks to that and cheers everyone else for listening no my pleasure mate and clementine i really just dearly hope we don't lose you to greener pastures because without your personality well i think there'd be about three people listening to this each week would be stuffed <laughs> um i've really enjoyed it thank you so much for having me on and um for letting me um just write my articles like it's been so much fun and I've definitely met so many awesome people through it as well so that's really cool too I think like the super coach community is like so close and it's just such a cool thing to be part of so yeah I'm real stoked so thanks it's been an absolute pleasure and you're right a wonderful wonderful community everyone enjoy the off season I think we all need it and more importantly enjoy the NRL finals thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next year